Big fight weekend on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented to you by MyBookie.ag. Sports are back and MyBookie is now offering a 100% deposit bonus when you use the promo code SGP. That's MyBookie.ag, promo code SGP, to play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you in part by the leaders in daily fantasy DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code SGP to play free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week with the promo code SGP. Get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes all week long only at DraftKings. We're also brought to you by BetQL. Want to get an advantage over the sports book with the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, or any other betting action? Well, you need to download BetQL, the only app you'll need to make smart bets this season. Head to BetQL.co and enter the code SGP20 for a 20% off discount on your first subscription. That's BetQL.co and the promo code SGP20. And we're also brought to you by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP. Football fans. It's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into the latest edition of the only digital radio show that loves to focus in on those underdogs along with everything else that's going on in sports. So many games that are happening right now all across the board. NBA playoffs that are now underway. Stanley Cup hockey. More on that in a couple of moments. We've got the Major League Baseball season, which again is a short sprint to get to its postseason. And then when you throw in things like NASCAR, a recent golf championship, PGA Tour playoffs beginning this weekend, uh, plus the fights, the boxing, the UFC, we've got all of it as part of Three Dog Thursday. And again, bow wow, rough, rough. We love the underdogs. No matter how you found the show, uh, whether it was through a social media link, whether it was through our friends at the Sports Gambling Podcast uh, website and the uh, Sports Gambling Podcast network feed of shows, thank you for doing so. And make sure you subscribe to Three Dog Thursday. Go find Three Dog Thursday in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And and numerous ones of you have been subscribing. We see that. Continue to five-star rate and review the podcast. Others will find it as well. Well, when you do that, we are growing and we are loving the fact that some of you are subscribing. Many more of you need to do so. And then ding, the podcast is automatically to you when it's ready every Thursday to pick these underdogs uh, and the winners. Uh, you can also follow the show, by the way, on Twitter at Three Dog Thursday, the number three at Three Dog Thursday to keep up with the show more there. All right. Busy program uh, straight ahead, as he always is uh, leading off for us will be Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com, Vegas Insider, senior handicapper, does an outstanding job breaking down everything, but especially when we talk the NBA playoffs, he's got some fascinating stats on the games that are going on midweek. It is the first time, the first time 
in 17 years in the NBA playoffs that the number eight seeds in the East and the West both won game one against the top seed in the same playoffs. Not since 2003, uh, back when the Spurs and the Detroit Pistons were both the number one seeds and both lost game one has it happened. But now it's happened to the Lakers and happened to the Milwaukee Bucks at the time that we're taping both losing game one. Brian is going to have some thoughts on what happened with the Magic's upset, really throttling Milwaukee, and a fascinating parlay wager uh, that took place with the Magic as an underdog, as a double-digit underdog. So Brian's going to talk about that upset, and of course the Magic for Game 2 on Three Dog Thursday, Thursday night, also a double-digit underdog. So Brian's going to talk about that series, and he has loved... Uh, the Portland Trailblazers now for the last couple of weeks in the bubble. And he has said even a week ago, a couple of weeks ago, Portland is going to push L.A. to six or seven games. Well, Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, and the Blazers took them out in game one in the bubble, neutral floor in Orlando. How much trouble are the Lakers in? Brian Edwards is going to tell us more about that with the NBA playoff breakdown. Brian has also got some strong feelings on all the college football mayhem. It is official. No Big Ten, no Pac-12, at least for now, for the Big Ten, although an uprising still going on for Big Ten parents of players at Ohio State and Penn State and Nebraska and Iowa and others. And again, I say this often. We, we do this podcast once a week in the midweek. It debuts on Thursday. You may know breaking information that I don't know right now, or my guests don't know because the show is pre-recorded, and this is such a fluid, ever-changing situation. The Big Ten may be reversing course, and I'm sitting here saying that after, after the lack of explanation, the lack of consistency, the fact that now uh, one of the leading professors at the University of Michigan, ironically, has come out and said that this uh, that one of the one of the leading cardiology professors at that university and their medical school has come out and said that the study that was being used or referred to by the Big Ten presidents and uh, and by Kevin Warren, the commissioner, is a flawed study that should not be listened to and should not be paid attention to. Because the control groups were whacked, the study numbers didn't say what they should have said, that study shouldn't be relied upon in terms of danger and safety with COVID-19. Once again, no one is arguing that this is risky, particularly for those that are older, those that are uh, immune system compromised, especially those that are elderly and frail. Look, I've got older parents. Many of you have got older parents and relatives. Uh, you have uh, friends and acquaintances that have their parents that are older, that are rel- You've got to take precautions. Masks, social distancing, this is a deadly possibility if you are older. We get that. But for those that are younger and healthy, the chances of you getting seriously ill are minuscule. And if you're a prime condition college athlete, it is minuscule that you're even going to get seriously ill from this should you get it. So I understand where the programs, where the coaches of the programs and the others are saying, hey, we're taking the precautions. We're, we're doing the testing. We've got the masks. We're doing everything we're supposed to be doing in sanitizing our building, our weight room, our meeting rooms, t- taking these measures. And we want to play the games because we are safer than the student population at large. And we're going to talk more about this with Brian Edwards and also my next guest uh, right after him. 
Love the insight of Brett McMurphy from Stadium.com, the premier college football news-breaking insider, will be here. I'm going to talk with Brian and with Brett about the argument that Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, many of the other prominent coaches are making, which is we are safer by testing the players. We are safer with the protocols we have in place, uh, trainers, doctors that are monitoring all this, than if our players went back in uh, to the general student population without football, if they went back home where they live because there's no classes on campus and it's e-learning, and they start to work out on their own and they get sick on their own and they don't realize they're sick until it's too late and then there's problems. I understand that compelling argument. But anyway, back to the Big Ten. You've got these uh, two different cardiologists, professors, one at the University of Michigan, one with the National Health Institute in the UK, a cardiology professor that both debunked that study. Kevin Warren, the commissioner, is on thin ice because it doesn't look like the Big Ten presidents actually even voted. Brett McMurphy will have more on that on this podcast. I could easily see the Big Ten scapegoating him and reversing itself and saying, let's put the conference-only season back on in late September and play 10 games, or play, they would traditionally play nine. Maybe they're going to play nine games. But for television deals, you got to play 10. Just from the standpoint of what I just laid out, and the fact that Kevin Warren's own son is playing at Mississippi State and hasn't been pulled out for COVID-19, I mean, what a hypocritical stance that you're going to tell all the Big Ten players, you can't play, this is unsafe, but my own son is going to be able to play in the SEC if they are playing, and it's safe for him, because it's safer for um, COVID in Mississippi than it is in Michigan or Ohio or Wisconsin or Nebraska or Iowa? What exactly is the rationale there? Uh, So anyway, more on the college football, the chaos, the SEC schedule that's out. I'll talk with Brian Edwards about that. He's going to talk some NBA. Brett McMurphy and I about the ramifications of it. It's been as bizarre a 2020 across the board as you can imagine. And oh, by the way, we've got a massive national presidential election and elections coming up, too. uh, That's (laughs) it's ongoing. So uh, just add that to the 2020 mix. Uh, Let's see. With the NBA, the NHL providing great entertainment. Hey, how about the Tampa Bay Lightning? I do this show out of West Central Florida. Kudos and bravo to the Bolts who right the uh, the ship after the sweep a year ago, the shocking sweep by the Columbus Blue Jackets, knocking the Lightning out as the ultimate eight-seed underdog. Speaking of eight seeds beating the one seed, they swept the team with the best record in the NHL. The Lightning didn't even get a game off of Columbus last year. And then they come back around as a rematch opponent and win the first game uh, with the Lightning, only to have the Lightning turn around and end up winning in five overtimes to get the series back uh, uh, in their favor. Well, actually, the Lightning won in five overtimes to take the one nothing lead. But nonetheless, uh, it, it, this can't be overstated. Whether you're talking about the Portland upset of the Lakers in Game 1, the Lightning getting things back under control against Columbus without having to play Game 3 or Game 4, obviously, in Northeast Ohio, which you know that was their undoing. Columbus, a year ago, beat them shockingly in the two games in Tampa, and then the Lightning never stood a prayer back in the frothing environment with people going berserk, 19,000 strong at, uh, what is it, the Nationwide Arena there in Columbus? They didn't stand a chance. These bubbles, it's different. I mean, you can't convince me that the Lightning couldn't relax in the bubble and realize we're not going to Columbus, we're playing on neutralized, there is no crowd getting in on us, Uh, there's no one booing and heckling the refs for bad calls. 
I think it helped the Lightning relax, and they were the better team, and it showed, and they won a dramatic overtime game on Wednesday to eliminate Columbus four games to one and move on in the playoffs. So bravo to the Bolts. But you you can't convince me, having seen that game one with Portland and the Lakers, that if the Lakers weren't getting a call and the crowd is cascading boos at Staples Center, for, and I realize it's the same for all the teams. There's no crowd. There's no home court advantage really for anybody. Don't give me this stuff. I'm going to say this again throughout the podcast and in future shows. Don't tell me that the fans on the side on a video board, that's, the, that's not the same thing. They're there. It's nice window dressing for the NBA. But if LeBron's not getting a call and the crowd thunders its boos on him not getting a call, that's going to affect the refs. If the Lakers are making a quick scoring run and feeding off the crowd, Portland's going to get that oh crap look in their eye if they're at Staples Center. It's not the same thing in the bubble. Teams are going to benefit from the neutral floor and no fans where there would normally be a big disadvantage uh, against the home crowd. And I know it's the same uh, when the L.A. team is going to theoretically play Portland on road games or for road games and they're in different jerseys in the same building. But it's not the same if the Lakers are 1-1 or if they're down 0-2. If Portland gets them Thursday night and they're down 0-2 and you would have had a game going into Portland for game three, with the crowd ready to blow the roof off of the downtown arena. What do they call the arena now? It used to be, what, the the Rose Garden. I'm not even sure what it is in Portland. They're not playing there. They're playing in the Orlando bubble. But the crowds are going to make a difference. So anyway, we'll talk more about the NBA playoffs with Brian Edwards straight ahead. By the way, a couple of more things here. Uh, The unwritten rules of baseball. and, And look, I'm enjoying my Tampa Bay sports teams right now because the Rays have been pouring it on the American League East in this short 60 game season. Uh, they did a they did a demolished job on the Yankees and the Red Sox as they took seven of eight games from the Yankees and the Red Sox back to back. Went to Toronto and played well, actually went to Buffalo and played the Blue Jays. The displaced don't call them the Toronto. You're not welcome in Pittsburgh, but we'll take you in Buffalo Blue Jays. The Rays won a couple of games on the weekend against the Blue Jays, and now have won the first game at the time that we're taping in New York and are looking good. But the baseball unwritten rules have always, you know, don't steal a base when you're up by five runs late in the game. You know, the next unwritten rule, don't look back at the catcher for where he might be setting up for the pitch because the ball's going to get thrown at your head. Don't throw at our guy because we're going to hit your guy. I mean, they were throwing at Mike Trout's head on Tuesday afternoon, the San Francisco Giants, because one of the Giants got hit in the game. All these unwritten rules. Don't come in with your spikes up. Uh, on, a, on breaking up a double play because then the ball is going to get thrown at you the next time you come up to bat. All these things. Over and over. So the San Diego Padres, son of the former major leaguer Fernando Tatis, Fr- Fernando Tatis Jr., big home run hitter, exciting player for the Padres. They've gone back to the 1980s brown and gold uniforms too, the Padres for 20. What else in 2020? Well, Tatis the other night to set the scene in a game in Texas against the Rangers ended up in a 7-3 game with the bases loaded, swinging at a 3-0 pitch and hitting a grand slam. Pitcher threw a meatball fastball down the middle. He launched it for a grand slam. His second home run in back-to-back innings. He had homered in the seventh. He homered again in the eighth. Broke the game wide open. Uh, Well, actually, I think the the game was 10-3 and he made it 14-3. They kicked the extra point. But even at 10-3 with two at-bats left, it's 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 very, very small chance, almost completely unlikely that Texas would rally. But you got two at-bats there. You never know in a short season. This stuff about don't swing at 3-0, I saw the Hall of Famer Johnny Bench come to Tatis' defense and say, 
what you're not supposed to swing three and zero. You're supposed to take the strike, and then what are you supposed to do at three and one? You're supposed to take three and one if that's the case. His thing is swing away. It's their job to get you out. Now it's different if you're stealing bases and trying to take extra. I understand that. If it is ten to three, if it's twelve to three, and you're stealing base, but swinging the bat is what the the whole premise of the at bat is. And if you can't throw strikes, that's your fault. So, in other words, if you are up 10-3 to and you get a guy down 0-2 in the count, you shouldn't throw a nasty pitch to him because you're up 10-3 to in the unwritten rules. Or if you're pitching up 10-3 and you've got 0-2 in the count, you shouldn't, you shouldn't throw the nasty slider, right? That's got to be a fastball down the middle at 92 miles an hour to let him hit it. Because these are the unwritten rules. You don't want to embarrass him further, right? It's facetious. It's stupid. The unwritten rules... A lot of them are being stamped out now, and they should be stamped out. I mean, I understand the retaliation thing of hitting people with the, you know, you hit one of our stars, we're going to hit your guy, and all of that, but the the unwritten code about that. So anyway, that's reared its ugly head in baseball. It's, it's fascinating to watch all of this unfold. There are going to be eight teams in each league in baseball that make the October playoffs. So they get their design on that. And good for Rob Manfred and the baseball powers that be in the Players Association. They have stayed strong even with positive COVID tests and said, we're not pausing the season. We've got to reschedule some games and make them up, try to make them up as doubleheaders down the road. We're going to continue to play as the league. And you're going to see this now as well with the NFL upcoming. You know there are going to be positive tests. It's unavoidable at this point. What are you going to do with the positive test to keep outbreaks from happening? Much less when teams are playing other teams how do you handle that situation? The NFL's got to be ready. The teams have got to be ready uh, for this, and, and hopefully they will be. All right, so lots to get to, lots to discuss. Brian Edwards straight ahead with some good handicapping, especially for the NBA playoffs. Stand by for that. Lots of college football talk as well. It is Three Dog Thursday, and we're ready to get rolling with another edition. Basketball's bouncing, hockey pucks going every which direction on the ice. We've got Major League Baseball. This man would have no trouble swinging away on 3-0 for a grand slam uh, like Fernando Tatis Jr. did for the Padres. Love me some Brian Edwards of uh, MajorWager.com, Vegas Insider. Love his insight. Uh, man, there there is so much to get to on the court, on the ice, on the field. But before we get there, first of all, welcome. Uh, th- this is like gambler's delight, these these few days that we've had this week with day and night playoff action plus MLB and all the other stuff. It's like heaven. We, we deserve it, TJ. I mean, all these months outside of UFC Saturday cards where we had nothing, and now we have day games every <laughs> day. I love how it's spaced out, four games a day, two in the afternoon, and, and it doesn't go like until, you know, three in the, you know, not three in the morning, <laughs> but it, you know, it can go really Well, late the hockey, hey, look, the hockey playoffs, and a couple of them have gone to overtime, has been to practically three Eastern time in the morning, 2 a.m. if it's a West Coast game or something, but you're right, uh, it's, it's equating it to March Madness, but really March Madness is only those first two weekdays, Thursday and Friday, 
because the next week they all play at night on Thursday and Friday. And sure, there's NBA going on and NHL going on with March Madness typically, but all of it is at night. The point is, this is weekdays, not weekend. Weekdays during the day, you've just you've got nonstop game. I mean, at the time that we're taping this, I'm like ADD because I'm talking to you and the Tampa Bay Lightning are trying to close out the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first uh, of the slate of four games in the NHL on on Wednesday afternoon and the hockey won't be over for another 12 hours. So this is this is cool. Yeah, it is. No question about it. And there was some cool betting. Uh, you know, we talked about that Milwaukee-Brooklyn result a couple weeks ago. Well, that Milwaukee-Orlando game one result wasn't quite as extravagant a payout, but there were some big payouts on some Moneyline Orlando action. Yesterday. All right, yeah, so we got to get into that with the NBA playoffs when we have that conversation in a couple of moments. Uh, Brian has got some underdog thoughts as well. Again, the eight seeds in both the West and the East in the NBA playoffs both won game one. Portland Trail Blazers, Orlando Magic. What does that mean? We're going to talk all about that with Brian in a few moments. But uh, obviously, uh, you're huge into college football. That's that's likely your first and foremost love. And so there is so much going around right now about the Big Ten and the Pac-12 having canceled. The, the Big Ten has got a PR crisis nightmare on its hands with the parents of players, you know this, Brian, that are revolting wanting to play, wanting to meet with Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren about reinstating the season. At least some of the schools do and their fans do. Um, I know we're going to have Brett McMurphy on with a bunch more comments. He and I going round and round about the roundtable, these cancellations, what to make of the schedules. What is your take here on something that I have already asserted that the Big Ten could backpedal may very well backpedal and may reinstate games. What do you what do you make of all of the mayhem that is going on right now? Um, I don't know that it's a good comparison, but I'll use it anyway. You remember when John Curry had that uh, shoot show of a coaching search going on for Tennessee, <laughs> and he was about to get Mike Leach. They beckoned him back to Knoxville. Philip Fulmer pulled a coup, and they fired his ass. Well, you know what? I wouldn't be shocked with Kevin Warren. I don't know how long he's been on the job. Jim Delaney picked a good time to get out, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, they out him. I mean, I think most of the top-notch reporters say that, that they highly, highly doubt that there's going to be any reversal. But, boy, I'm props to all of them, from Iowa to Nebraska to, to Day to Harbaugh to James Franklin here. I don't know if that was last night or this morning. I, they're all raised in hell, man, and they want some transparency, and uh, we'll see if we get any. But uh, Kevin Warren, and it doesn't help that his son plays at Mississippi State and is about to play football, making right. it so uh, hypocritical uh, on, you know, on top of all the other mess. What about your opinion, because I don't know that I got this from you last week on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. All right, let's say the Big Ten and the Pac-12 don't play. There's a lot of criticism of, okay, how legitimate is the college football playoff? I I 99% know this answer that's coming from you because I know you well enough right now. So there is a point that is being made that that is cheapening. That's the word I'll use somehow, the college football playoff. What is your take if everything holds, if, long, long if here over the next few months, and it's the SEC, the ACC, the Big 12, a hodgepodge of, of what's left of the American Conference, the Sun Belt, Conference USA, who are playing. Is that worthy enough of a college football playoff and declaring a national champion in your mind? 
Regardless, we were always going to have an asterisk by this season. So absolutely, it's worthy. Now, can people like poke at it and say, oh, that's not a real national title? Well, sure, that's fine. Well, this season was going to have an asterisk right. by it anyway. Yeah, it'll be a national title, college football playoff winner with a little asterisk by it. And maybe, you know, their rivals can say, yeah, you only get a half credit for that or a one-third credit. But but of course we should have a playoff. If we get in November and things are going smoothly, you damn right we better have a playoff. Of course we should. And we probably would have a scenario where any one of about 15 teams, along with an SEC powerhouse and let's say a Clemson, uh, any one of about 15 other teams could make their way into a Final Four. And that wouldn't be a bad thing. Uh, if, if it does come to that, between the three Power Five leagues that would be playing an American conference team or two, uh, you, could see, you could see that happening. So uh, we will find out. Hey, one more on this because I also touched on it before you came on. One of the points I continue to make, and we're already seeing it because in the last couple of days, the University of North Carolina has said, okay, we tried it with students showing up. And we've got way too many coronavirus positives. We've got outbreak going on on the campus. We're going virtual. We're going e-learning. Michigan State announced the same thing on Tuesday. We were intending to have in-person schooling in buildings. We're not going to do it. This, to me, is only bolstering the point that Harbaugh, Saban, and many other coaches, Dabo Sweeney, have been making, which is our players are going to be safer with us in our environment, our practice, our dormitories, our testing, our doctors around than they are in the student population at large, Brian. It's making the cap. While some are freaking out that you can't play the college season because of what's going on with the general student population, I think it only makes the point more that those coaches are making. We have a better chance to play and not have positives because of what we have in place, right? Yeah, I mean, the the fact if, you know, if other schools, you know, get the kids off campus. Now, I have no idea how that works for those regular students paying tuition. Right, right. What about how, and another point too, unintended here, what about housing and refunds on housing and that kind of, it's a complicated mess, but go on, yes. Yeah, I don't know how all that works, but is it better for the football players and the football team if the students go home? Hell yeah. I mean, all the talk we heard about Instagram girls and side pieces getting into the NBA bubble, I mean, even more so with 20 and 21-year-old college kids with so many hot girls on campus at parties and stuff, it'll be way better for the football players if the students are long gone, for sure. Okay, uh, and by the way, that photo, I, I've gotten some great insight. Our, our buddy Chris Stewart was telling me more about this, who was on the podcast last week from the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, radio broadcast. That photo that was being uh, circulated on social media Sunday night was the general student population, and they were standing in line to get into bars and restaurants Sunday afternoon and Sunday night after the sorority uh, selections were going on. And again, that only reinforces and makes the point here that you and I were just talking about that if they're not going to be smart and they're going to be gone then the ones who are being smart the football programs or the athletic programs that are taking the precautions have the doctors have the testing they deserve the chance the chance to succeed so let's see how it all intertwines together all right something else you wanted to talk about because we lean towards the SEC Brian and I both in the south here as part of the three dog Thursday podcast 
the SEC released the 10-game schedule on Monday in order the different teams that are playing. couple of observations from you. What stood out now that we officially know the order and the games, Brian? Um, well, uh, you know, um, Arkansas got really hosed. <laughs> Welcome to the SEC, Sam Pittman. You know, we're going to add Georgia and Florida as your two new SEC East. And then same with Eli Drinkwitz. Oh. Uh, Missouri actually had a good draw in terms of who they were playing from the SEC West. But now they gotta they got to add LSU and Alabama. So that's oh. for them. I can just... I can rip down real quick just the week one lines. Alabama is minus 22.5 at Missouri. These are from DraftKings as of yesterday if they haven't moved. Florida minus 11.5 at Ole Miss. Georgia minus 24.5 at Arkansas. Auburn minus 7.5 at home to Kentucky, which shows a healthy respect for the Wildcats. And Kentucky does have, per every preseason uh, magazine, one of the top five O-lines in the country. And they've got three running backs that average better than 5.5 yards per carry last year. LSU is minus 17.5 at home for Mike Leach's debut in the SEC. There's only two single-digit numbers besides Auburn and Kentucky. Tennessee is minus 2.5 at South Carolina. Remember, Will Muschamp is 7-1 and one career against the Vols Ooh. and A&M. 29 and a half to Vanderbilt oh. and Derek, Derek Mason's impossible job has gotten even harder as several players have opted out, including his best defensive player, Dimitri Moore, a two-year starting offensive guard, Cole Clemens. Uh, and if you want to go to BrianEmmerSports.com, I've also got the season win totals for every SEC team broken down with the schedule, who's got back-to-back road games, who's got an open date win, whatnot, and whatnot, and the odds to win the SEC championship game as well. All right, so all that's out there. Alabama and Georgia, both uh, the under-over win total on the 10-game reboot of the schedule is 8. Uh, Florida, 7.5 on the win total, and LSU, 7 with Burrow and a lot of their uh, talent moving on uh, to the NFL. Uh, and I was just thinking when you were saying this, so Arkansas opens with Georgia added in the revamp schedule, also has LSU added in, uh, or I'm sorry, Florida added in. The end of Arkansas schedule is Florida at Florida, LSU at home, then at Missouri, then Alabama at home. They're playing Florida, LSU, and Alabama in their final four weeks of play, Arkansas. Uh, two words, good luck, right? On <laughs> And, and oh. let's not forget they they also have to play at Auburn at oh. Texas A&M and they get Georgia and Tennessee. Is, is, wait 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 I'm, I'm revising this. Is Arkansas's win total one and a half, a half, or zero? If they win a game, I'm being <laughs> woo pig suey. I'm being it's, sarcastic. God Almighty, it's one and a half. It's uh, it's painful. And again, uh, Missouri opens with Alabama. You were mentioning adding Alabama and LSU, and they're playing LSU in the third game. So uh, that's that's not easy uh, with a new coaching staff there uh, for Mizzou. And again, go to BrianEdwardsSports.com and follow him at VegasBEdwards because you've been tweeting a lot about those win totals, those lines you were mentioning for week one. Let's hope we get to all of that uh, with the games and, uh, and with the SEC. Let's segue over to the NBA and the playoffs that have gotten underway in the bubble in Orlando. We had history, Brian Edwards. I'm looking right here. Uh, we have history that has been made uh, for the first time since the 2003 NBA playoffs. 
the number eight seeds in both the Eastern and Western Conference were victorious in game one. It was back in 2003 when Phoenix beat San Antonio in San Antonio for game one. That was a Stefan Marbury last-second shot. He banked it in, if you remember the famous call. Well, I would love to tell you that the Suns, Brian, went on to win that series. It didn't happen. Not only that, San Antonio not only won the series, they went on and won the NBA championship. They went on and won the finals after that. Also, Tracy McGrady and the Orlando Magic bombed the top seed Detroit Pistons in game number one. Pistons also went on to win the series. All right, so that being said, Wait, Tuesday... Wait, did the, the Magic win the first two games? Yeah, they might have. They might very I well have. Well, but keep it, you know, keep in mind again that uh, this has not happened in 17 years, unique setting with the bubble. But in both cases, the Spurs, as you would figure, and the Pistons as the one seeds overcame it and won the series. So now we fast forward to Tuesday. And what was exciting stuff for both of the eight seeds uh, in this case, and you've been high on the Portland Trailblazers all along uh, here since the resumption of the schedule, and they took it to the Lakers. Yes, they they did. And, you know, it was fitting, as you mentioned, those eight seeds uh, pulling those upsets yesterday. It was so fitting and perfect for, you know, gambling coming back to the norm. Because on Monday, favorites in the NBA, MLB, and NHL went 20-1 and overall. And so then the first game yesterday, you've got the Magic. Uh, winning outright as a 13 and a half point dog. And there were some money line winners out there. A $4,000 William Hill better uh, won 36 grand. A $1,500 DraftKings won 12 grand. And then the big one, do you want me to go to the parlay yet? Yeah, we can can talk about that if you want to right now because somebody was looking at that first half uh, uh, spread where Orlando was winning what, Brian, by 10 at the half against top-seeded Milwaukee in the best of seven, and the better decided to do a little quick parlay. So explain explain more what happened in-game yesterday. Okay, so the Magic are up 10 at half, and he puts a $25,000 parlay at MGM on the Magic second-and-a-half money line at plus 700 odds. So that means... Uh, they're, they're minus 10 for the game because they're up 10 and you're taking a money line in the second half. And then he won- the second half total, he went over uh, 115 and they were at, let's see, 30, uh, 56 and 58. So they were at 114. So he needed 229 for the game. And here is how it worked out <laughs> in the last 30 seconds. Uh, okay, so... Uh, uh, Giannis misses a free throw down 13 with 27.4 left, and he commits a foul with 25.5 left. If he doesn't foul there, they probably run it out, get a shot clock violation with two or three seconds left, and then you know Milwaukee sure. takes a half court shot. Instead, they were in the double bonus. Enos for Orlando makes both free throws, so they go up 15, and at that point. Um, the total was a push, okay? And so then with 2.2 seconds left, Marvin Williams hits a 27-foot <laughs> three-pointer that sends it over, and if Enos had not made both those free throws, 
it would have made uh, the money line a uh, a push, and it would have wow. been instead, would have invalidated the, the parlay, 000, right? The twenty five thousand dollar parlay pays out three hundred and fifty seven grand. Ooh. Thanks to Giannis Powell, two made free throws, and Marvin Williams with two point two left. Three-pointer. And, and keep in mind, this had nothing to do with the outcome, the overall outcome of the game, because the game was decided by double figures with 30 seconds left. But all of that mayhem with the Giannis foul, the made free throws, and then Marvin Williams hitting a shot that seemingly would have meant nothing. It didn't mean anything for the overall spread, but it meant everything on this bet and the second half totals. And the point of that is, this is why in-game wagering, and and it's crazy down to the last second, Brian. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I wish I had been watching. I wasn't watching, and so I had to look it up on you know ESPN.com's play-by-play. And as I read the last minute and a half, two minutes, <laughs> I was just like, get the F out of here. This really happened. Like, I wonder if Marvin Williams was sitting there going, nah, I shouldn't shoot it. And then was like, oh, I'll shoot it. And Right, he would have had no idea uh, what was going on. He just shot his shot there at the end, made his three. It didn't have anything to do with margin of uh, of the outcome or the spread, as it turns out. But wow! Uh, and as you were making mention, I saw you retweet this. There was somebody that took the outright money line for four grand and won and uh, quadrupled it, won thirty six thousand dollars on the magic uh, for that win, uh, taking the underdog. In that one, did you see at halftime? Uh, I was I happened to be watching this again, daytime basketball. I was watching the inside the NBA conversation, and Shaq's on the air betting Charles Barkley five hundred bucks, and he eventually upped it to a thousand that the Magic were going to go on to win because Barkley was going on and on. The Milwaukee's going to come back and win. Milwaukee's going to come back and win. So Shaq and Barkley even got in on the action, Brian. Right, and Shaq was kind of whispering it to him, and and now. <laughs> They were debating whether it was official, but didn't they, didn't they say they were doubling down regardless on Portland? LA yeah, maybe. Maybe, but Shaq, Shaq's sitting there holding up five <laughs> fingers going 500, and as big as he is, you ain't arguing with him about whether or not that was official or not. That looked official to me. I loved Barkley because Barkley was saying, much like Brian Edwards uh, here on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, he's such a big fan of Portland uh, forget LeBron, forget AD and the Lakers. He said if Portland wins game one with Damian Lillard going off, they're going to sweep. They're going to not just win the series, Brian, they're going to sweep. And then they left the air with Barkley sweeping the studio last night. A great metaphor. I don't know if you're going to go hand-in-hand hand with him off the cliff on that about a sweep, but Bar- Barkley's advocating that Portland took it to him here. Look out. I'm not going that far as far as the sweep, but let's also remember they didn't have they didn't have Zach Collins, and uh, he he very well could be back uh, for game two, and definitely will be back at some point um, in the series. And on that note, um, there are a couple of uh, well, we'll get to like why I like Orlando. They may get Aaron Gordon back, and and then keep an eye for Utah uh, game three Friday. Mike Conley got back to the bubble after leaving. Uh, for the birth of his son up in Columbus, Ohio. He got back late Monday night. You have to four-day quarantine. I don't think the NBA has ruled on it yet. He's he's iffy. But I tell you what, in terms of uh, over-unders, I like the Jazz. I think they're more explosive offensively. Donovan Mitchell with the ball in his hands more instead of playing off the ball with Conley. Um, And Conley's a hell of a player, obviously. 14.4 points per game, 4.4 assists. But Mitchell went off for 57 points and 9 assists. 
the other day. So um, in terms of over-unders, looking over, I, I think that Utah is probably a better over team without Conley. Now, whether they're a better – they're probably a better t- overall team with Conley. Um, he'll be back for game four for sure, iffy on game three for now. So the other thing that's interesting, too, about this, and we don't know the result of Jazz and Nuggets – uh, here at this point, at the time that we're taping in game number two. Um, so right now, Denver leads the series one nothing. But you, you've you been pointing out the Jazz on the over total going into Wednesday was what, nine in a row, nine for nine on hitting the over, correct? Uh, no, six and one for the Jazz, nine and oh for Denver. Nine and oh for and, Denver. And, and, yeah. Okay, so keep an eye. What you're saying is keep an eye on that Wednesday total. Keep an eye on Conley if he's playing Friday for Three Dog Thursday purposes, if they're hearing us in advance, on what that might mean for the over total, the under-over scoring total in that game. Again, we don't know the result of what happened on Wednesday with the over total um, on, on that one. I do want to keep you, though, in the preview mode for Thursday. So obviously Orlando and Portland, despite... The victories, uh, Brian Edwards, in Game 1, they're both still underdogs in Game 2. The Magic still a double-digit underdog for Three Dog Thursday purposes Thursday night against Milwaukee. Would you would you be tempted here to take the Magic and the double figures uh, in that one in Game 2 in the bubble? Oh, there's no tempted to it whatsoever. I'm already in. I've already played it. Uh, I, I like Orlando plus 12.5. I mean, they pimp slot Milwaukee on Tuesday, um, and that was without Aaron Gordon. They might get Aaron Gordon back tomorrow of lesser importance, Michael Carter-Williams, but they might get him back uh, as well. The Magic have only been double-digit underdogs four times this year. They're three and one against the spread. Milwaukee is 15 and 19 against the spread in 34 games as a double-digit favorite. Um, When when my Hawks had their best season ever – uh, won 60 games like four years ago, maybe five years ago. Uh, they could have won like 65 or 70. Budenholzer started like resting guys on back-to-backs and, and doing minute restrictions like the last two months of the season. Now, it's a different scenario this year, but he was kind of restricting minutes for Milwaukee in the seeding games. And I, I just don't think he does a good, very good job there. I don't think he's a very good playoff coach. Um, Orlando, plus 12 and a half. On Thursday, I'm in on that. I mean, they, they did that yesterday. For, uh, Evan Fournier, their second leading scorer, didn't play very good, and they might get Gordon back. And Milwaukee, I mean, they just – they don't look like the way they were rolling in the regular season. And uh, I put some of that on Budenholzer. Okay, and again, for the Blazers, they're playing uh, the Lakers in the late game Thursday night, and they are the six-point underdog for what is game two. Um, And interesting, I I made this point earlier, all right? So the Lightning uh, playing their hockey series with Columbus in the Toronto uh, bubble, and um, I really believe this. I, I think momentum is created by the crowd, the atmosphere. I think teams feed off of that. I think it's much more so in college with the emotion of the game. But I think teams definitely feed off of it. 
um, pro and con. So example, you cannot convince me that if Columbus had won game one, hypothetically in Tampa, that the Lightning wouldn't have had the here we go again. They wouldn't have had the silent building, all the doubt after Columbus swept them last year. The fact that they didn't have any of that, didn't have to be subjected to the local media, the local talk radio, they're in the bubble, isolated from it. They've just relaxed. They've gone on to play. They've won three games in a row. All right, so let's bring it to the NBA. You can't convince me that if Portland and the Lakers are battling in game one and there's a controversial call and the Staples Center crowd, all things being equal, goes berserk booing the refs, that the, that's not going to get in the refs' heads. And that if the Lakers don't make a couple of big shots trying to make the comeback with Portland, that they're not feeding off the crowd. My point is there are teams that are going to benefit right now from being in the bubble. And from the fact that you're not having to play a true road game with the hostile road crowd, don't give me this stuff about the fans on the Zoom. Brian, I know you're smiling. I can't see right. you. The fans on the Zoom on the side of the court, that ain't the same thing. So, uh, you know, I think it, it's advantage Portland in this case. It's advantage Orlando because you would know that in a game two in a setting in Milwaukee or or in L.A., the crowd, maybe not as much L.A., the crowd would be frothing in Milwaukee and going berserk on every play to get in their head and maybe leave to Milwaukee, but you're not going to have that on Thursday. You're not going to have that for anybody in any of these bubble games. Give me a follow-up point on that. Well, it's just incredibly unique. I don't think we've ever uh, experienced it in uh, professional sports. I mean, obviously the Super Bowl, I guess, is a neutral uh, site game, but uh, you know, in, in hoops and uh, yeah, no, we just we don't we don't get this. You, know, you always got to uh, teams work the whole season to get home field or home court throughout in the playoffs and all that's moot in this uh you know you know uh, this year with an asterisk by it not sure. only college football nba and everything else it is going to be exciting and so again we watch for all of these games uh, to unfold nba playoffs nhl playoffs this week all that great information, Brian. They can find it with you, majorwager.com. Uh, follow you as well at Vegas B. Edwards Wright. You're going to be tweeting nonstop injury information, updates, line changes, all the different things with the playoffs, et cetera. They, they want to stay locked in with you, right, brother? Yes, sir. And uh, follow me on Twitter at Vegas B. Edwards. And for all of you that normally go to Major Wager, and that's where most of my content normally is. Um, they're they're doing some IT tech uh, fixes, re redesigning stuff right now. So we've kind of, uh, if you've gone there in the last few days, hopefully it'll be fixed by the time you're listening tomorrow. But if not, uh, I've had way more content than normal on BrianEdwardsSports.com here the last four or five days. So uh, check all that out. Everything SEC wise, and uh, you can follow the Major Wager Twitter at uh, Major Wager Uno. And uh, looking forward to all these uh, games this weekend. Have a great weekend, TJ. Enjoy it as always. And there he goes. Always love Brian's insight. Good luck with those NBA predict- predictions, prognostications, and underdogs for Thursday and Friday. You may be hearing us later in the weekend on Three Dog Thursday to see how those series are shaping up. Again, it's fascinating. The 2003, both San Antonio and Detroit lost the opening game as number one seeds, and they both turned around and won the series, and San Antonio won the whole thing in 2003, even after losing game one. So... Uh, let's see what that means for Milwaukee and the Lakers. You may already know the results, and you may already know Milwaukee's down 0-2, or maybe they got it back. I, I, I am just saying up front here, I think the Lakers will take game two with Portland. 
I, I would be shocked, shocked if it's already 0-2 and LA's in that kind of trouble. But again, it will benefit them to be in the bubble, be away from the LA media, the fans screaming on sports radio. If that's the case, we'll find out. All right, still to come, Brett McMurphy will be here straight ahead. Usually on the video roundtable, it's a roundtable of several guys. McMurphy deserves his own slot. It's he and I talking college football on the YouTube video roundtable. You'll hear it right here on the podcast. Coming up momentarily here as part of Three Dog Thursday. For the moment, though, we'll tell you about some of our our sponsors, including MyBookie.ag. Okay, did you get some uh, wagers down already on the Major League Baseball that has started up or the NBA and the NHL that's resumed? If not, why not? You've got a chance to be cashing in right now, including with the boxing and the fights. And MyBookie has got their deposit match bonus back with a special offer right now here as part of this podcast of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network of shows. And the best thing about MyBookie is not only this deposit bonus, but when you bet, you win and they pay. So again, whether you're looking over the NBA and what's going to happen here with the Lakers or the Bucks or the Clippers, how about the Trailblazers or Red Hot? Bet on all the games as it's unfolding. National Hockey League that's going on. MyBookie.ag. Join up today if you never have, and my bookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar up to a thousand bucks. Just enter the promo code SGP, get a promo code offer of a thousand dollar match. You put 500 in, they'll put 500 to match it. 750 or a thousand, they'll match it, whatever it is. Remember, Make those wagers, live in-game betting, NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, the fights this weekend. It's all available at mybookie.ag, promo code SGP. You bet, you win, they pay with mybookie. And we're brought to you in part by our friends at DraftKings. And yes, regular season betting is fun, but now we've got the NBA and the NHL playoffs added into the mix. Is there anything better than exciting one goal Stanley Cup hockey or sudden death overtime Stanley Cup hockey? Come on, bet all of it with DraftKings right now and be in the center of the action. And millions of dollars in prizes are flowing every which direction throughout the week and daily with DraftKings. If you haven't tried it yet, it's very easy to do. It's daily fantasy. You put your lineup together. You stay under the salary cap. You get your shot at millions of dollars that are in these different prize games. Daily fantasy right in the middle with DraftKings. Right now, download the DraftKings app. Use our promo code SGP and play for free with your first deposit today. Compete for millions of dollars in total prizes that are up for grabs. Combinations of the the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, all the different sports, or stick to just one sport, either the hockey or the pro basketball, etc. Use the promo code SGP. Get a shot at millions of dollars in prizes all week long, only at DraftKings. Remember, a minimum $5 deposit will be required. Eligibility restrictions also apply. You can see DraftKings.com for more details. And remember that promo code SGP with DraftKings. We're also brought to you in part by BetQL. If you want to get an advantage over your sports book with the NBA, the NHL, and Major League Baseball back in action, you need to download this app, BetQL. It's the only app you need to make smart bets this season. And they've got some great algorithms, a best bet algorithm that has thousands of data points 
to give you the top information and the best recommendation on what to wager on. Uh, Whether you're talking about the NBA games, whether you're talking about the UFC pay-per-view this weekend, whether you're talking about the fights that we're talking about on Big Fight Weekend, you go to BetQL, you pick from all of the different uh, data points and recommendations. They're giving you great info, great sharp data to help you make the bet. You can even see where most of the betting public is betting if you want to go the opposite direction. And with BetQL, if you live in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Colorado, or West Virginia, you can claim an exclusive offer from sportsbooks and use BetQL's data to make the right bets. Again, if you're in Jersey, Pennsylvania, Indiana, Colorado, West Virginia, a special offer awaits you with BetQL. Go to the Apple Store, go to the Google Play Store, download it, enter the promo code SGP, by the way, and you get 20% off your initial subscription. So even more incentive for BetQL. Remember, the promo code is SGP20 and take 20% off with BetQL. And if you've ever thought of owning your own sports book but you didn't know how, Ace Per Head is here to help you start it up. They'll provide you with an all-inclusive professional betting site with all the lines updated up to the second and wagers graded immediately. They've got top-notch customer service going 24-7, some of the sharpest lines in the industry, and plus... Ace Per Head also has live betting and a great mobile experience. You can get started today. Ace is offering six weeks free, by the way. Go to aceperhead.com slash SGP. That's aceperhead.com slash SGP to find out more. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is T.J. Reeves. We do continue along. It is Three Dog Thursday. Great to have you with us. And with all the scheduling mayhem going on, I've been looking forward to getting this guy on. And a reminder, if you're only hearing us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, on the Three Dog Thursday podcast, find the video via the Three Dog Thursday YouTube page, a social media link. We're actually moving pictures. You're seeing us here on Three Dog Thursday and I'm merely TJ. I am bowing in the presence of the college football insider in terms of information. Uh, it has been my privilege to get to chat up Brett McMurphy for the better part of about 20 years now. What's happening, sources say? It's good to have you on the podcast. Uh, nothing much, TJ. Just uh, the uncertainty of the entire college football season and future of college football. But other than that, hey, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a Wednesday or a Thursday, depending on when you're listening to it. Uh, it's, it's crazy. The only thing we know is I keep saying we don't know. Now we are here to the middle of August and there is a lot of uncertainty that is uh, in large part due to what the Big Ten and the Pac-12 did this time last week. So I've been asking others the same exact question. How surprised were you not only that they canceled, but they canceled when they did with still six weeks roughly before you probably had to cancel. What do you say, Brett? TJ, I don't think it was a surprise to anybody what the Pac-12 did. They had been very transparent. They had been very open that, look, this was going to be difficult to do moving forward. They've got a lot of challenges um, geographically with their state governments. In California, I don't even know if they're allowed to practice at this point. So they had a lot of issues and challenges. Um, to be able to play because of the restrictions with their state government. So 
when the announcement was made Tuesday, I don't think it was a surprise to anybody that the Pac-12 decided they would cancel the fall season. There was some thought that the Big Ten may wait. Perfect example you brought up, you still have several weeks to go before the season starts. Everyone, though, thought that whether the Big Ten pulled the plug or not, the Pac-12 would soon follow and make their decision to pull the plug. The Big Ten presidents met earlier on Tuesday. The Pac-12 presidents met later that day. So what's happened since? Well, Larry Scott, which has been basically the butt of a lot of jokes and criticism for the past year or two, he comes out of this looking great. Because why? They were very transparent. They provided their 12-page document that the doctors gave to them, to the media, to say, hey, look, this is why we're not playing. These are the specific reasons why we felt it wasn't safe to go forward. And pretty much everyone's like, hey, we're cool with that. Yeah, we prefer if there, was, there were games being played. We understand, based on the information you have, why they're not playing. What did, what did the Big Ten do? They were not very transparent. Now there's... It's unknown if the president's actually voted or not. How do you not know if the president <laughs> voted or not? <laughs> you either vote or you don't vote. You're pregnant. And this, and this is an election year and election season yeah. where the voting is already chaotic. And now we don't even know if they actually took a vote. I mean, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. So basically, Kevin Warren, the new commissioner of the Big Ten, felt like he had enough support to cancel the fall season. And so that's what he did. And because of that, without an official vote, now you're seeing all the blowback from Ohio State, Nebraska, Penn State, Ohio State. It'd be quicker to name the schools that aren't upset about the ruling in the Big Ten. <laughs> the biggest issue is, and sources that I talked to throughout the league, in and outside of the league, said, look, if you're a conference, when you have a decision like this, you do not make this announcement, you do not make this call unless it is unanimous. 14 to 0 if you're the Big Ten, 12 0 if you're the Pac 12. If it's not unanimous, you don't make the decision. You don't make the announcement. You go back, you continue to meet, you get the ones that on board to the other side, or you flip everybody. So you are unanimous. It's the same reason why you don't offer a coach a job unless he accepts it. That way you can't be turned down. So that was the thing by the Big Ten, and now you've seen. Justin Fields put out a petition that's, I don't know, up to a million signatures. Very similar to the popularity that you have when you put a petition out, yes. Yeah, I, I get three signatures. You've got <laughs> Big Ten parents from Ohio State and Iowa that supposedly are going to go to Chicago on Friday in hopes of meeting with Big Ten officials to get them to change their mind. DJ, I just wonder, of the Ohio State parents, I wonder whose eye they're going to dot because they are not happy camper trucks. Oh, that's a, that's a good line on that. All right, so we got so much meat on the bone to cover on this with Brett McMurphy again. If you're only hearing us, find him here on the YouTube page with me for Three Dog Thursday or through a social media link to the video conversation. If you're only hearing us here from Stadium and the Watch Stadium uh, app and WatchStadium.com, the premier college football insider and has been for over a decade. So let's back up. Seriously, they didn't vote. I mean, where did the stuff about the 12 to 2 come from? So, so again, you're as plugged in as anybody. Is that like somebody leaking that for damage control that they were mostly unified? Where, where, did, a, where did a 12 to 2 number come from if there was no vote? That, that, I mean, that puzzles most people, including me. 
Yeah, well, so Monday, the day before the, the, the announcement, Dan Patrick reported he had a source that told him the Big Ten had voted, and the vote was 12 to 2. Iowa and Nebraska were the only two against canceling the fall season. Big Ten then put out an official statement that said no vote has been taken. How, how little did we know at that time how correct that statement was? So, but then in theory, you then vote on Tuesday. What Penn State AD Sandy Barber said the other day was that she wasn't aware of a vote. I'm sure she talked to her president about that. The presidents at Minnesota and Rutgers, when talking to their local media, both did not specifically say there was a vote and basically said, you need to check with the Big Ten office for more information. Wow. That's, that's the, the trying to be the most subtle way of throwing the commissioner under the bus is that way. Or you do the Nebraska way, which is as soon as the announcement is made, you put out a statement, the first thing out of the box from the, camp, the chancellor, the AD, head, head coach Scott Frost. We are very disappointed in the Big Ten's decision. We are ready to play. We want to play. Uh, sources have told me Nebraska that day and the next day reached out to schools from the group of five conferences about coming to Lincoln and playing. However, that quickly got shut down when Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, reminded Nebraska that, oh, by the way, if you're a member of our conference, you get $54 million a year in media rights. If you want to go do your little thing and play a season this year, you're not a member of the conference. You're not getting $54 million. Then you saw Nebraska back backpedal after that. But, yeah, TJ, you've got a lot of unhappy campers out there because ultimately Kevin Warren – decided to make this decision based on what the pre again there is a majority in the big 10 that didn't want to play but you don't make this decision especially this far out when you don't have when it's not a unanimous decision all right so let's and cut to him let's cut to him quick ohio yeah. ohio's governor just announced ohio will be allowed to play high school football this year but every college in the state of Ohio, including the mighty Buckeyes and all the schools in the Mac will not play. Yeah. Cincinnati theoretically can pay and can, can play in the American right. athletic conference, but the other ones cannot. So let's, let's zero in more on Kevin Warren. who's the brand new commissioner of the big 10. He's got other credibility problems because he's got a son playing at Mississippi state who to my knowledge has not opted out for health reasons. And, and Kevin Warren hasn't pulled his son out for health reasons. What a PR debacle that you're talking out of one side of your mouth about health and safety. And then from a credibility standpoint, you're not pulling your own son out for health and safety. If you're, if you're purporting here and elsewhere that this is mainly Kevin Warren doing this, he's like a pinata and we're waiting for him to get hit and the candy to fall out, brother. Yeah, you're right, TJ. I mean, look, you know, obviously it's Kevin Warren it's a decision between him and his son or his son's decision. Their family needs to deal with that or whatever. But if you were the president, excuse me, a commissioner of a conference and you determine it's not safe for your student athletes in that conference to play, I would have thought that at that exact moment, my son would then have announced he's opting out and not going to play this year. Right. Like you said, as of our taping right now, he apparent, his son is apparently going to play this year for Mississippi State. And that, along with the laundry list of 100 other things, 
is what has really pissed off the Ohio, excuse me, the Big Ten fan base um, so much so that you actually have parents, you know, marching on the city of Chicago trying to reverse this decision. Okay, I want to go over two or three more aspects of this quickly. The first one is, what are the chances here that these upset families that have written with the petitions that are going on, hold on, that the biggest fan bases of Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State could influence a reversal. I saw the O, and I don't think you meant O-H-I-O. You don't believe there's any. No, I don't, TJ, because, again, keep in mind, even though as much criticism as the league has received and Kevin Warren has received, there still was the majority of the 14 members that did not want to play. Now, we don't know if it was the vote, even though there wasn't a vote, but we don't know if it was the the schools in favor, if it was an eight to six margin, a nine to five margin, or a 10 to four. It's certainly there are at least four schools that did not want to do that, did not want to do this. So it's somewhere in that eight to 10 number of the 14 Big Ten schools that did not, that did, did not want to compete this fall. So yeah, they can petition, they can do all these different things they want to do. The presidents are not going to flip a decision um, based on that. I'm going to disagree with you. All right. So I said earlier in the podcast, presidents are wishy-washy as it is. They, They often lick the finger and stick it up in the air. Which way is the wind blowing? It would not surprise me if they backpedal completely and reinstate the conference only idea later this week, next week, something like that. If the, if the pressure continues to grow and mount, I could see them cracking. I really could. I could see them backpedaling. It's still far enough out to where you can install uh, the conference-only idea that they had for late September. I know you're staunch in saying it's not going to happen. I'm just saying they crack all the time on all kinds of things, and maybe they will here. Okay, lunch at PDQ on who's right yes. or wrong on this. I'm Absolutely. on this, and I agree with everything you said. However, once they make a decision, they don't usually flip it that quickly. Look, they, they screwed up. They went with legends and leaders as division names, but at least they kept those around for a couple of years. I can't see them changing. But because, again, TJ, keep in mind, how bad, what's going to look worse, not doing anything and taking all of the, all the PR hits or changing and saying, hey, we're going to play, and then two weeks later say, wait, no, we're going to go back and we're going to cancel the season again. Because you look around the country at North Carolina and Notre Dame, They've had huge clusters of students test positive for the virus now that students have arrived. North Carolina starts on-campus classes a week ago. Less than a week later, because of the cluster of outbreaks on campus, they said, we can't do this. We're going to a remote-only learning um, schedule. So I think that's ultimately why they don't do it. Again, even if they wouldn't have made this decision, they probably would have ended up in the same position but as, you, as you've mentioned uh, very well, the biggest question, the biggest complaint is why pull the plug so early instead of doing what the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 are doing and taking it a step at a time and then seeing, you know, when we get up to the starting line, then ultimately deciding if we can play or not. And you're right. The Big Ten had several schedule formats where they could have moved back the start of the season. There was no rush to get out there with this. The only reason was you want to be first of the power leagues to show supposedly you care more about your student athletes than the other conferences, and that's why you're making this decision, and now it's backfired on. 
Mm-mm-mm. PR nightmare. Again, the voice of Brett McMurphy, if you're only hearing us from Stadium, the premier college football insider. I have been privileged to hang out with Brett McMurphy. He loves the chicken strips at, uh, at PDQ, by the way. Free plug for them. Uh, I love his insight as he joins me on the Three Dog Thursday podcast. All right, so I'm going to share the screen here, and we're going to take a look at the SEC schedule. They released the dates, the opponents. They've obviously added two games. It is conference only. So we'll take an overall look here at what the SEC decided to do um, with this schedule. So uh, what stands out? I mean, one of the things that had been kicked around was that maybe Florida and Alabama were going to be added, moved up from the 2021 schedule to 2020. That didn't happen because as we look in the middle of the screen, the Florida Gators do not have a big Crimson Tide A anywhere on that schedule. Uh, Florida instead ends up with a game at Old Miss, and I believe the Texas A&M game is the other Western game that they ended up with besides the schedule, if I have that right. Uh, what do you make of them going with 10 games, going with conference only? Everybody gets the one by week as we're looking over uh, all of this. A lot of talk that Arkansas really got hammered uh, by, by the teams that they added. They added Georgia and I believe one other difficult game as well, and Arkansas has got a brand-new coach. What do you make of this, Brett, what the SEC announced earlier this week? I mean, look, no matter what schools you would have added for each school, everybody's going to have their own conspiracy theories. That's why it just means more. Um, you know, you look, at, <laughs> you look at Missouri, new coach Eli Drinkwitz. He gets added to his schedule, LSU and Alabama. Mm. Welcome to the SEC. Yep. Um, you know, the big thing that jumped out to me as far as the schedule, you look at week one. Um, the coaches poll came out last couple weeks ago. SEC, I think, has six teams in the top uh, top 12 or 13. Um, of those six schools, they all open against teams where they are prohibitive favorites. So it's almost like, okay, we'll give you this first one, a layup to kind of figure everything out, and then we're going to jump into the meat of the schedule. But it's going to be fascinating, and I think the big question, TJ, long-term is, obviously, the capacities for these stadiums are going to be cut to 20 25%. TV numbers, if we do have games, I hope we do, will be off the chart. So now what happens next year? Fans certainly are not going to want to go back to an eight-game schedule because you're telling me, you know, we had all these games that you added and we've got Georgia playing Alabama and, you know, A&M playing Florida and all these games that were added. And now we're going to go back to eight conference games where then you're going to play one game against directional state tech U. Um, and then you're going to play an FCS team and all that. I think that's the biggest thing to, to keep an eye on, not only for the SEC, but also the ACC and the big 12 is the fact that now that um, you've, gone to a conference-only format or conference-only plus one, um, it's going to be hard to go back. Now, certainly the ACC, Notre Dame's going to, you know, say thank you, we're going back to being an independent. But it will be fascinating to see what happens because I think once the fans, once the media gets a taste of these conference-only games and you don't have the tomato cans that you're playing <laughs> the second week in November, I think it's going to be hard to um, convince these people to go back to this especially when attendance was dropping in previous years, not including this year, because they didn't have a lot of quality opponents. Um, so I think that's going to be a, a big long-term impact to look at as far as these conference-only schedules. 
All right, we're almost done here with Brett McMurphy. I'll ask you the same type of question around the, the Big Ten. What is the chance that one of the conferences, and it won't be the SEC, that either the ACC, you mentioned North Carolina and the problems, or the Big 12 buckles here? Do we put that at a 10% chance? Do we put it at a 25% chance? Maybe you think it's higher that one of them in the course of the next two to three weeks sees the spikes that's going on, the conference presidents here again are not the same as the athletic directors and the coaches, that one of them buckles. What would you gauge that at from what you're hearing? Give me an educated prediction. Well, TJ, I've said this for the last four months. Um, I didn't think we'd have college football in the fall. And the first, when I said that four months ago, I said because there's no way students, all the students will be back on campus. And then the commissioners changed their tune and said, well, we don't need them all back. We just need some back. So I'm like, okay, I'm more optimistic. But then when you see the restrictions of the different states throughout the country, um, I became less and less optimistic. This has nothing to do with whether the, those three conferences you mentioned can play and play safely. Unfortunately, I think it boils down to this. Liability concerns with the, with the school presidents. And I think right when they get up to that starting line, if they haven't pulled the plug before then, I think they pull the plug. I don't think we have college football in the fall. Man, I hope I'm wrong. I pray I'm wrong. I'll I'll buy you two lunches at PDQ if I'm wrong. I just do not see it happening. Again, it has nothing to do with, this is not political. This has nothing to do with whether I think this virus is the same as the flu or I think it's the most deadly virus to come on the face of the earth. It boils down to liability concerns. And as you mentioned about the president, they are not risk takers. And I think at the end of the day, when they've got to make the decision whether to go forward, because look, TJ, if something goes wrong, they're going to get sued back to the Stone Age. Why is that? Because everyone's going to point to the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and say, look, they have basically the same information you did. They shut it down, but you kept going because you wanted to make your TV money. You had your media rights deals, et cetera, et cetera. That's not a good look. And so I think ultimately nobody plays. Um, I hate that. Again, I hope I'm wrong. You wanted my prediction. You got it. There is his prediction. I believe the SEC is playing no matter what. We'll see what history says uh, at the end of this, and the SEC may even pause uh, during the season. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, we're definitely in, un, in uncharted territory on that. All right, a little more fun with Brett McMurphy from Stadium. He's at Brett underscore McMurphy, if you didn't know that already. He's a great follow on Twitter for a lot of different reasons. Uh, you and I, again, go back some 20 years, and – we go back in large part to the movie Roadhouse. Patrick Swayze, uh, what, Kelly Lynch, uh, Ben Gazzara, the late Ben Gazzara, uh, et cetera, um, and uh, Sam Elliott and, and a lot of others that are in that movie. Terry Funk, the professional wrestler as well. All right, so there he is, the late Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. Such an iconic movie to the point you and I were joking one time and you actually said to me, we were having dinner or something. And you said, it's one of those movies that I got to know anytime that it's on. And I said, okay, from here on out, I'm going to let you know when it's on. And so that went on for like about seven or eight years. I would just send you a text message that said AMC right now or HBO two right now. Right. I mean, you can the verify problem, that. The problem was you were texting me four times a day, every day. <laughs> I guess I'm like, TJ, give me a break. <laughs> no, you're right. I actually have like, to work. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, it, it's funny. And I, I, when you mentioned that, it reminded me, I think the last text, I, I think I sent it to you, is that, the, and I forget the name of Kelly Lynch's husband, 
Yes. All of his buddies text him every time Roadhouse is on and says, hey, hey, your wife's having sex with Patrick. Because, because, right yes. I want to say it's Rowdy Harrington. Does that sound right? Something like yeah, that. But uh, Bill Murray is one of the ringleaders of that who knows yes, that director right. and he sends that he sends that stuff on. That is such an iconic movie. Okay, so let's have fun with the movie Roadhouse because you and I quote the lines all the time. I thought you'd be bigger and you got a little run in here by the name of Dalton and all the, all the, other, all the other lines. Uh, who's the most underrated character in Roadhouse, Brett McMurphy? Who doesn't get enough accolades besides the, the stars? What, what would you say? If you take the stars out, it, I, and I don't know the guy's name, it's the, it's the guy that the bear, polar bear tells <laughs> Right. He's, uh, he's Tigger, I think, right? He's the big heavy set guy with the suspenders, yeah. looks like a pro wrestler. He's got the cat power uh, mesh hat on. And he has the all-time classic line when hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil, polar bear fell on me. That, that works. That works in life. We say it in my own household. I say it to people all the time. I don't know. Polar bear fell on me. It works. It works. It works. Yeah, I, I would. You, you take out the the headliners. I would. I would put him right up there. I wish I could. I wish I knew who he was. All right, we got to look that actor's name up. Uh, there, that movie now over thirty years old. Patrick Swayze's been dead almost ten years. You believe that from pancreatic cancer? That's hard to believe. All right, now I'm going to hit you with something I did not prepare for this. The other show that Mr. McMurphy and I always have commiserated about, and they've they've been kicking around whether or not it would come back. Uh, we very much miss Jack Bauer. And 24, there he is, right there, Kiefer Sutherland and this whole thing. So the question becomes, if you had to choose between the two, are you going Dalton or are you going Jack Bauer between the two? Let's say hand-to-hand -hand combat to get it done. Wow. What, what would you say? Man, Jack Bauer has so many different toys. I mean, it's, you know, because of the, the timing, time frame of the shows, uh, I think he has a distinct advantage there. And anybody that has a cell phone that works 24 hours and he never charges it. <laughs> and never has to eat and never has to go to the bathroom and never any of the yeah. other stuff. Right, right. That we all have to do when we live. So I will never go against him. But, you yeah, know, look, you got to love Patrick Swayze. Oh, there's, there's no doubt uh, about that. So, uh, yeah, I'm just having fun with both of these with Brett McMurphy because you and I would go back and forth on 24 about who's the villain going to be? Because, I mean, it was the ultimate swerve. I don't think we're revealing right. anything now 15 years later that at the end, it's more than that. It's like 17 or 18 years later, believe it or not. At the end of the first season, that Jack's partner on the first season of 24, this counterterrorism unit, of the United States Homeland Security actually is a double agent and kills his wife in the final scene. I mean, once that started happening, now you didn't know who's going to turn into a bad guy and why it made the show. The show fueled on that. Did it not for the next few years? In my mind, it did. Yeah, you know, it, it, but then you know what? It became, because of the swerve, it became so predictable where you knew at the start the good guy ultimately would be the bad guy and the bad guy would be the good guy or whatever. But, um, you know, thinking about it a little bit longer, you know what, I'm going to go with Patrick Swayze for this one simple reason. Polar bear versus cougar. Right. The polar bear. <laughs> well, and the other thing is he always, Brad Wesley had like six guys uh, all the time coming after this guy right here and they could never take Dalton down uh, throughout this thing. So, what a, what a great uh, debate about Roadhouse, fantastic movie. Uh, I, I love when they would do the ones um, 
on AMC and they would have like the director's notes as we totally digress on Three Dog Thursday with Brett McMurphy. They were giving you little tips that I didn't know. You can now look them up. But back, back 10 years ago, you didn't necessarily know these tips. Like the scene when he and Doc, Kelly Lynch, are up in the, uh, in the loft, not the sex scene. Don't get going, McMurphy, on this. But when they're in the loft and they're having the argument about you need to leave town, you know, you don't need to take Wesley on, he's going to kill you, this is what he does, and she screams the, the line, you know, well, what are you going to win? And they have the explosion in the background where they're blowing up the house where the landlord, uh, the older guy, uh, I want to say, was it Elmer or whatever his name is, um, they only had one take of that scene. They only had enough money in the budget to do the explosion once. So the shot of the explosion is over her shoulder, and that's, that's the shot, the first shot of the explosion. And then all the other stuff you see them doing is them with other cameras later. I was fascinated. Maybe we've totally digressed, but I want the audience to go check out Roadhouse and now see that scene again because it was a low-budget, late-'80s movie that wasn't supposed to become a cult classic, but at least for you and me and for a lot of others, it has. Yeah, I think, it, I think if we, as we have discussed this many times, it is the best bad movie out there. <laughs> Yeah, of all of them that are there. Uh, and just remember, Polar Bear Fell on Me is a, is a good way uh, to get out. So I got the definitive answer. You would take Jack Bauer, though, especially interrogation with like the nine millimeter. No, I'm sw- I'm switching into the, to you're, oh, you're switching back to Patrick. Sorry, remember 24, they had the Cougar, cougar storyline with Kim. Right. Um, I think that was his daughter's the, name. The so Cougar was chasing her is what you mean. Yes. Yeah, and so totally. we... Holy foot. Yeah, she was not a cougar. <laughs> Maybe one now. I don't know. Um, yeah, no. I'm, I'm going back to Patrick Swayze. That oh. is my final answer, Regis. Oh my gosh. It is, uh, it's wild to go over this different stuff and it diverts our attention from the mayhem of college football cancellations and scheduling, et cetera, et cetera. I love the insight of Brett McMurphy. Again, he's given me about 20, 22 minutes here uh, to this point. And you haven't checked your phone once from a source to see what's going on. If there's more cancellations, who's playing who? Again, check out Brett McMurphy through Stadium and WatchStadium.com and also on, twi- on Twitter at Brett underscore McMurphy. I love it. I'll let you know again when I see Roadhouse on the basic cable. That's a, that's a pledge. That's a promise. Please don't. Uh, there you go. There's Brett. My thanks also to Brian Edwards, our handicapper on earlier here on Three Dog Thursday. Subscribe to the podcast again on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Find the video. See Brett and I talking in living color on the YouTube page or through a social media link of the video of Three Dog Thursday and subscribe away is there as well. Enjoy all the games, whether it's the NHL or the NBA playoffs, the baseball, everything that's unfolding, and hopefully we get some college football. Thank you for being with me on Three Dog Thursday. Bye.